This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello and welcome to episode 157 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, and of course, actors, and package it up into a little thing we call a podcast, which I already said, and put it up on the internet for you fine listeners out there in TV land. And we're two dudes that do this because we were looking for the answers. Uh, we were looking to sit down with uh, people that are kind of up to big things and just wanted an excuse to, to take them out to coffee and give them something back. So if you hear something on this show and you're thinking that maybe it's not quite jiving with what you sense is the kind of proper way to go about things, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd also love to hear from you if you love what you hear. We just love so find all the different ways to get in touch with us uh, at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. We love, we love, and we love to hear from you. Just love. All you Just need love. is love. All you need is love. Love. We're just going to hum the rest of the, the episode. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of love, on this episode, uh, one of my very good friends uh, is, is our guest, and uh, I sit down for a great great chat with actor singer ryan mccartney so stick around for that how y'all doing what's going on aj I I, I, some, I so wish sometimes that we could like people could just respond. Yeah, yeah. we're just like, hey everyone, how's it going? And then like you know, four thousand people <laughs> or whatever, that'd whoever's be, listening to this, it went, like, that, hey, that'd be pretty cool. I would not object to that. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be insane and and really difficult to have, uh, have to you have that conversation. It, but it, it would be. But have you ever thought about possibly doing? I, I wondered if we could record uh, like a a Google Hangout and actually have people like listen in live or be able to ask questions live. Or maybe that's something we can think about moving towards because we still tend to do everything kind of in this little silo, this kind of isolated way. And I've been hearing about podcasts doing like a live. Um, Google Hangout that just take the audio from, and it provides another level of kind of interactivity. I thought that might be if we could figure that out, it might be kind of cool. That sounds amazing. Yes, let's definitely figure that out. Let's get yeah. uh, let's get uh, Jen and Deb on the case uh, there, and yeah. maybe Kadali as well. we'll I, I make sure our listeners are cool getting up at you know eight a.m. on a <laughs> Monday morning to to do it. They better be. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, well, if it, if it's a total bust, we don't have to publish it. <laughs> true, true story. Um, yeah, there's also, I mean, it's weird the, the 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 amount of technology that goes into it. But one of my 
favorite podcasts in terms of technology, ironically, is This Week in Tech, um, because those guys, they actually kind of do that. Uh, they, they put out a video and audio podcast, but they all sit around basically in their desk chairs all over the country and sort of, I don't know how they do it. They somehow Skype, they're not using Skype, but they somehow Skype in to uh, one sort of central location and they're all talking to each other with headsets and they're on video and the video quality is great. The audio quality is great. And I've always wondered how the hell they do that. And I'm, I'm assuming it has to do with, um, I don't know, the type of servers that they use or, mm. you know, I don't know what, but uh, yeah, it, I've, I've always been sort of, um, I don't know, jealous is not the right word, but uh, it's sort of in awe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool, so, man. Well, what's new in your world this week? Anyway, how did we get on this subject? I um, started talking about podcasts, I guess. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, what? Gosh, what is new? Um, oh, I don't really have a lot to report specifically. I think um, one of the things that, that... Well, there's been a lot just sort of coming up, and I'm like, oh, I should talk about that on the podcast. And then, of course, I immediately forget about it, but... <laughs> Um, one of the things that I've been doing the last couple of days actually has been uh, going on to the uh, equity website and and sort of perusing the the open calls. And it's been a very long time since I've done that. Um, but what's what's interesting is being in New York, it's a lot more. Um, I guess the word would be lucrative because when I first graduated from college and I told, I think I told the story around the Alan Barton episodes, I was clicking and submitting for hours every day. Uh, I, I, at the time I think I was still working for Apple and I would go to work and then I would come home and I would go on actors access and LA casting and now casting and just browse the breakdowns until I ran out of breakdowns to look at clicking and submitting. And I, I did that for close to two years. Um, and I remember I only had like maybe five auditions from those self submissions in that time. And I had maybe one call back and I never booked anything. Hmm. And it was such a relief because I, I just stopped doing it of my own accord. So it was such a relief when Alan Barton was like, do the admin you love. Yeah. And yeah. I was no longer in love with that. Like at first it was like fun because I was hungry and it was interesting looking at the breakdowns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Clicking and submitting really seems to be one of those things that people do when they're just kind of getting started, but it quickly becomes one of those kind of low value activities, I think, for, for a lot of people. Yeah, well, and part of it has to do with rep- the lack of representation. You yeah. know, if you're if you're not represented, what do you do? You know, you either you either do your own work, you create your own projects, which we are huge advocates of on the podcast, obviously, or you work on friends' stuff, or you self submit. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're looking for the, sort of the, those bigger jobs. Yeah, until until you have some of those relationships built up, I feel like 
that clicking and submitting is your only option. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. I've gotten some awesome stuff from, from clicking and submitting. But once you start to build those relationships up with those filmmakers and those people and you start to kind of build a little bit of a reputation in the community, then it becomes uh, something that's like, well, there's not a huge return on that compared mm-hmm. to what I can get just because I now I know these people. So... Yeah, interesting, man. Interesting. Every once in a while, I think, should I be submitting on Actors Access every day? And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really feeling it these days, so uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so, yeah. Anyway, it's been a long time since I've since I've done that. But part of that rotation that we're discussing right now is or was the equity website especially since i got my equity card so early on in my career um i think i've been i think i've been equity for like seven years now. yeah a long time and so i i stopped going to that website as well and that had a lot to do with the fact that um it was i was getting sort of similar returns number one and number two being in los angeles the the most lucrative jobs well first of all there's only a handful of big equity houses in LA uh and they're they, they got on the um you know celebrity casting train a long time ago uh and and rarely hire um n- uh, quote unquote no names and the other things that you can look at in the sort of Western, because um, there's there's three sort of I don't know regions they call them Western, Central, and Eastern that just divide up the the country. So if you're looking at the Western stuff, you you would look at you'd be looking at stuff as as far east as you know Utah Shakespeare Festival, like you know, and, and when I'm that young and starting out, I'm. I, I don't know. I have this feeling of like, oh, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to necessarily go that f- far to, 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 to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, there's a lot of actors who do it and it, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It was just, I was trying to like get my roots planted. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say that I, I started doing it again and it's, it's fascinating being in New York. Cause I'm like, damn, these are good jobs they're good paying jobs um some of them are national tours some of them are here in new york some of them are um uh you know auditioning here but but performing in like pennsylvania oh and and uh the 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 pay is 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 good enough that you know it might be worth a a commute to to connecticut or new jersey or Mm -hmm. or or something like that if, if the job is there so um it's just a fa- it's sort of a fascinating mindset because as I was click as I was clicking through all of these auditions, it, it did have to become this sort of you know value um, balance thing. You know, it's like how how much are they paying? Where is it? What is the role? Um, you know, how good of a you know part is it? Like mm-hmm. if 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 I'm if I'm playing a lead and making less money, it, you know it's like if I'm playing a you know the opposite of that be like being an understudy but getting paid lots of money because it was on Broadway, mm-hmm. you know. So like there's um 
there's one musical that I that I want to go out for, and everyone's already cast, so it would be a matter of of um, auditioning for understudy. But it's on Broadway. It's working with um, uh, David Hyde Pierce is the director. Nice. Um, so there's some there's some sort of there's some clout to that. There's some um, you know it, it would it would. Um, it would support my my career in other ways, even though I wasn't on stage every night. Right. Um, sure. But that's, I think that's just something that all of us actors must do. Is is the sort of value, you know, weighing the 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 value scale, <laughs> sure. if you will. I'm 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 envisioning maybe one of our listeners can can do some artwork, but I'm envisioning like the the scales of justice that that woman with the blindfold yeah, on right. the scales, except instead of her, it's like you know Shakespeare or <laughs> or like the smile now cry later masks are yeah. on the scale or or something like that. Speaking of Shakespeare, are there any opportunities out there for you that you've come across to do some sort of Shakespeare festival or uh, a, a batch of plays? Like, I know they do that a lot. Um, at least when I was in Philly, there was a lot of that kind of work. Uh, you know, old, you know, like, um, not, revival is not the right word, but like a restaging of, of, a, of an uncommon work or something. Anything that you've seen along those lines? Uh, not on the not when i was browsing the equity website the last few days okay. there's a lot of classical work that gets done here um obviously they have the famous shakespeare in the park and um yeah john lithgow just played king lear uh in in central park and awesome that yeah that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other crazy world because in order to get tickets you have to get in line at like 3 a.m and yeah i love uh, that man it's so, it's crazy so but, f- fast forward like like eight months and you're still in new york and it's summertime uh you think you might go out for uh shakespeare in the park or audition for like a, a shakespeare festival somewhere i i would i would love that i would i, would, I mean i would love to do you know i i, I do have classical training and 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 i actually i got some awesome validation recently because a um a theater that i haven't seen i haven't been to this theater in years let alone audition for them i I can't remember the last time they saw me act and they reached out to me because they were doing um uh like a new play reading festival thing or something and the artistic director remembered me from from years and years and years ago and 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 uh, threw my name in the hat like recommended me and this is a place that does a lot of classical work so you know i've only done shakespeare monologues for them so it was a like i said it was just like a really cool validation all that to say that i have i do have the training to be able to do that and of course yeah i would i would love to do something like that um you know uh i i don't want to say i don't want to say a job's a job and sound um like ungrateful or like i don't believe in the sort of the magic of of this of this uh, work that we do but when i say a job's a job it's it's like i i i'm an actor and i want to work 
I want to I want to work as an actor and 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 that actually does seem to be a very um, New York uh, mindset because mm. I feel like I feel like in LA I could be told I'm 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 generalizing supremely here but I feel like in LA people are like waiting for their big break mm-hmm. does that make sense like people yeah. are like people are like uh, you know oh i'm i you know i i just want to book like a series regular or i just want to book a national commercial they're like they're like waiting for their big break and in new york i feel like people are just working like all the time <laughs> people go from one project to the next <clears throat> you know um uh my uh, one of my buddies that that was in heathers with me he before heathers was doing this like world tour well he did he did a he did a, a world tour of um, Tarzan, the musical. Then he went from that to a, a, a world tour or a national tour of this um, this uh, um, sort of like pop rock musical review show. It was it was called like Broadway Rocks or something like that, and it wasn't even really musical theater. It was like these pop rock songs that they did, and they performed everywhere from like huge theaters to like high school gyms, uh, but but got paid just like any other, you know, national tour. And then he went, then he went to Heather's and now he just left for a few months to go do, um, to go play Dr. Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror Picture Show at some regional theater in, in Dallas, Texas. That is apparently amazing because it used to be owned by, or it, it's owned by the same people who own like the Dallas Mavericks hmm. or something like that. And it, you know, it's, it's, We've talked about the regional thing on the podcast before, and I'm 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 telling you if you're if you're listening to this and you're in a minor market, you know, work, <laughs> yeah, just just work, just do just do the work. It's 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 fun. Most of those places are, are really well set up. They 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 you can you can make a lot of money. You can get your equity card. You can start going out for other things. Uh, as a result, um, yeah, and that's what I mean by a job's job. Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you. I mean, yes, generally speaking, one hundred percent generalizing, but it does seem like in LA the kind of predominant mindset is predominant. I don't know if I use that word correctly, but the the most common kind of mindset or approach that people seem to take here is is yeah, like I'm I'm working towards the big thing that's going to make my career, and every other job or every other thing that comes along is a stepping stone to that one big thing that's the that's the kind of vibe that i get here from a lot of actors or just kind of the industry in general but uh but in new york and you know when i was in philly it did feel very much like hey man next job next job just keep working build a body of work build a career if i'm working i'm good and you know i may get to that next big thing that'll make me or i may not but Mm. uh as long as i'm working and i'm making this happen then then good and i think that there's a lot to be learned from that um yeah because you say when, like I don't, I don't know man i mean your your new york energy feels different than your la energy like just me sitting here talking to you in the podcast and oh wow uh, i don't know if our listeners have kind of picked up on it uh, consciously or unconsciously but to me it, it definitely feels uh, more alive uh, hmm. more empowered and definitely um more i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is but um i i, I feel that kind of shift internally from from you and i think it's a good thing you know i think i think we could all here in la learn a lot from that kind of approach just that subtle shift in mindset i think will make a big difference 
and will probably get us to that coveted, you know, breakthrough job sooner rather than later. This is something that TJ and ML talked about way back in like episode 50 or something that, you know, like they feel like one of the big differences between British actors and Australian actors and American actors is, is exactly this, that, that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a career, it's a livelihood. It's, it's, it's a series of, of jobs, dozens and dozens Mm -hmm, of jobs. mm -hmm. And no one really has any more sort of artistic weight than another. And uh, I think that's a powerful way to approach it. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That's a good. Yeah, that's a really good callback. Yeah, and it's fascinating. I mean, thank you first of all, and uh, I, I sort of feel it too. But I didn't know, I didn't know that it would be attached to the region so or the market so much. Hmm. Um, you know, but it 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 does it has acted as a sort of like um, a spur. Yeah. Uh, to 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 kick me in the in the butt uh, I'm actually I'm not only fascinated by that idea in general but I'm also fascinated to see what might happen uh, if and when uh, sh- should I take this back to LA with me mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like yeah. so 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 I come back and I've got this same mindset of like you know I, I want to work like where's the where's the work let's 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 get to work um, and I'm in a, a market that is maybe more attuned to well two things one what we already mentioned being the 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 sort of like waiting for the big break idea and then two a lot of times it's really easy to fall into doing a lot of like free 99 seat theater yeah in that case yeah which isn't which isn't a bad thing it's just that if 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 you are taking the tj Ramini approach to it, uh, Anna Mel's approach to it. You, you, it that's not you, you're that's not a, a job. You're not like working. You're not you're not you're not feeding yourself. Yeah. Um, not I mean, I, and I'm I'm not talking about artistically. I'm talking literally. Like you're not filling the fridge with food because <laughs> you're I not like that metaphor. That, so. Now I'm hungry. That's awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. cool. Well, uh, I, I'm so happy to hear that you're not limiting yourself to just film and television, because you're a phenomenal stage actor, and you have a presence that, that just uh, captivates, and so I'm really glad to hear that you're checking out the equity jobs and, and looking into regional stuff and, and all that, as, as well as the film and TV, that you're just like, I sing, I dance, I act, I'm the triple threat, and I'm not going to be contained by a movie set or a, a camera or anything like that. I, I think that's great. That's such a I, I I I so appreciate these little fireside chats, uh, Trev, because <laughs> sometimes sometimes you say some stuff that just like completely like either blows my mind or or validates or whatever. Like what a, what an, what a great mindset to have. I can I I will not or cannot be contained by a film set. Like mm. what? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I'm gonna take that with me for the rest of my life. It's the Hugh Jackman approach, man. Oh God, I love him. Guy can do anything. I know, and yeah. I love him for it. Yeah, I love him for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 
So we uh, only have a couple items to mention here from one of our listeners, and this is the one that we kept having to, well, we didn't have to, but we, we kept choosing to kind of put off in the interest of time. Uh, and it's kind of a bummer because um, this is some good stuff, and I'm, I'm only sorry that we had to wait so long to kind of bring it to our listeners. But this comes from a listener named Rodrigo, and I don't recall exactly what we were talking about that kind of triggered this. I think it was the library. I was talking about how great the library is, and yeah, you, a- you've been <laughs> you've been uh, having a love affair with the with the library. Lately. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, don't sorry, tell sorry. Barnes and Noble. Uh, <laughs> oh God, don't tell Amazon. Tell no, please tell them. She'll get super pissed. Uh, no, <laughs> um, uh, you know I, I love the library, man, and I, I just I, I I don't know. I'm in a place in my world where I'm just really in love with just all the public services that a city. And a government provides for its community, for its people. I, I don't know. It's just kind of cool when you really dig in and realize that so much of the stuff that we pay for all the time actually is already offered to us. And maybe that's a very European way to, to think about it. But in America, I think we could do you know do well to America to uh, to recognize things like the library. So Rodrigo well, sent you us. Do, you do pay for it. It's called taxes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We pay for it every single day and with every single purchase. So like, you yeah. Know, why uh, not take advantage of it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I, that's a that's that is actually a very. I, you probably know this from Philly. That's a very sort of East Coast thing as well, because yeah. you know. Here in New York, they, 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 I, I, I don't know. I guess we became more and more capitalistic as we uh, uh, moved west. But there's, there's very, there's no, there's no such urban park vibe in in LA. I mean, there are parks, but they're small, and you have to drive to them like you have to drive to everything else <laughs> in, yeah. in LA. Whereas here, like, there's parks everywhere and they're huge and i'm not even just talking about central park there are parks everywhere and they're beautiful and they're green and there are trees (laughs) this is like this and they're not painted onto the side of like an electrical box to hide the electrical (laughs) box yes it's not a cell phone tower it's an actual tree (laughs) uh anyway whenever i see a cell phone tower pretending to be a tree i'm like who (laughs) I, you know, kudos for the effort, but like, really? who do you think you're fooling? Yeah, who do you think you're fooling? You're not a tree. We'll paint it green, and nobody will know. Oh yeah, God, man. it's like it's like fake Christmas trees. I know, I know that there are some uh, some people who are like environmentally sound out there who are going to hate me for this. And look, I am uh, Trevor, and I are huge advocates of of of, of taking care of the planet. But I, I just can't do the fake Christmas tree thing. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know if it's tradition or just the way I was raised or what. But yeah, I, I can't must. Do it either. I can't do it. I. Uh, it's like that plastic. It's like having plastic. Uh, you know, plants in the in the house. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like what are we talking about? This is an acting <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, although I should say, LA is getting a little better about the public transportation thing. I'm taking the Metro uh, Expo line, the train. You know, back and forth to downtown and stuff. It's it's yeah, it's pretty good, man. You know, once we get the buses, kind of, we have that largest bus fleet in the country of any city, and yet it's it takes really. L.A. has the most cars of something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, uh, and yet it takes you know. So we're working on it, I guess. Uh, I do miss yeah, good old that, reliable. That is... What's that? That Expo line is is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, I got on the other day and. Um, I saw somebody sit on a seat and then get up and like 
and like with like a shocked look on their face, and it turns out they sat in a puddle of someone's pee. Oh, so, so you know, there's that. Uh, but but other than things like that, it's it's pretty awesome. Well, that person has clearly never lived in New York because in New Yorkers know you check the damn seat before you sit. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, man. Uh, all right. Anyway, Rodrigo writes in with uh, some some pointers. <coughs> They're not even some pointers. Just some cool stuff that's going on at the L.A. Um, L.A. Public Library kind of chain or system of libraries. And he, he sends us a link from uh, L.A. Weekly that has uh, 10 things you didn't know you could do with the library. And, you know, this is pretty cool. I mean, as an actor, I know a lot of us oftentimes uh, get to be very choosy about where we spend our money. And uh, you can get things like free yoga classes. Uh, There's um, film screenings. They have acting classes. They even have opera and uh, special events, you know, with with special speakers. Uh, Sometimes they'll even do plays. They have knitting classes. They have, uh, you know... Just all sorts of stuff. You know, if you get out there, there's some, some uh, neat things that the city does for its mm-hmm. citizens. So jump on public transit and go to the public library. <laughs> Check your seat first. Check and, your seat. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then go to the library and get ready for a world of fun. In a world <laughs> of fun. <laughs> oh, God. At the library this summer. 100,000 actors will descend <laughs> on the Los Angeles Public Library. All right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and thank God. Uh, we got to get to this interview. We do, man. Before Trevor, uh, I don't know, ruins his voice. Um, <laughs> so, this is part one of my chat with actor and singer and musician Ryan McCartan. Let's see. If you're listening to this and you're not a huge fan of Disney, uh, you're not going to know who he is. If you're listening to this and you are a huge fan of Disney and of Ryan, then you're welcome, town. Enjoy the interview. Hey guys, this is AJ, and I'm sitting here with uh, a very good friend, but also soon-to-be friend of the podcast, my my buddy and yours, local local boy next door, Disney Channel boyfriend Ryan McCartan. What a what an encouraging introduction, AJ. Thank <laughs> well, you. I was like, I'm not. Gonna, it's weird. It's, it's usually weird for me to quote your resume. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, He's on, uh, let's see, Disney's uh, Livin' Maddie, um, uh, soon to be on uh, Royal Pains in USA, and did a, a little stint as the uh, as the lead in the off-Broadway musical Heathers, you may have heard of it, yeah. um, but uh, has, has since moved on to... Uh, to, the, to his next his next project, which I'm excited to talk to you about. So anyway, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having it. me. Um, so I think I was thinking about this on my way over actually, and I think you probably by a fair bit now have the record for being the youngest guest on the podcast. Yes, and um, it's actually I'm I'm excited about it because of. Some of the things we were talking about before we started recording, which is just like the way in which you 
carry yourself, the way in which you look at the industry, the way in which you look at the industry and how it affects you as a, as a human being, as a as a, a, a future family man, as a, you know, like, it, just the way in which you, you think about it is not typical, I think, for someone your age. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about that and the way that you think about the industry as well as just the sort of professional end of things. Absolutely. So we, we, we usually like to start at the beginning, which I guess was like five minutes ago for you, but <laughs> how do you feel like you got your, I know you're from Minnesota, but how do you feel like you got your start in, in this industry, in this business? Yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing about starting is that you just have to start, you know. Um, I I guess there are a lot of different ways to answer that question. I think the simplest way is, you know, I uh, I started um, when I was eight years old. You know, the, the best training is just doing it. Um, the best training comes from experience, and, and I was lucky enough to, to, to be in Minneapolis, which... You know, is not New York. It's not Los Angeles. There's no West End there, but you know, there is a fantastic sort of almost you know unexplored by many um, theater hub mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. What with the Guthrie Theater, the Tony Award-winning Children's Theater Company, just places that that really put on some fantastic productions and foster some great young careers. Um, and uh, you know, as a as a child, you know, it's one of those things where your parents just literally put you in everything from like science club to tennis lessons to just like see if anything will stick. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually very much by accident how I stumbled into theater. I was playing every sport under the sun. My dad was a high school college coach and wanted to wanted to coach me in 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 sports and kept all of his his coaching books and everything. Um, I was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. For whatever reason, my body couldn't make it work, um, so I quit everything, and then I was a bored kid, which is a terrible, terrible, lethal combination, especially for young parents. Um, so, so it, it was then that uh, my sister, actually, who's also a very talented actress, um, was doing a production of How the Grinch Stole Christmas at the Children's Theater in Minneapolis, and I went to see it, and I turned to my mom, and I was like, I, I can do that. Uh, and so I started auditioning and, and, and booked a gig at the Great American History Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, and that was the first thing that I that I ever worked on professionally. Um, and I did theater from 8 to 18, you know, and anything I could get, sink my teeth into, um, you know, community theater, high school shows, um, professional shows, uh, you know, small workshop type things, you know, in New York or Florida or... Washington D.C. anything that I could sink my teeth into. Um, went to college for a very short time at a program that is fantastic, but the chemistry just didn't really work out with me. Um, didn't enjoy it and uh, dropped out. And it was another one of those things where now I was bored in eighteen, which is also a lethal combination. <laughs> um, just as luck would have it, I had submitted a tape a little while ago to the Disney Channel for a pilot they were working on. Um, they wanted me to test for it. Came out, tested, didn't book it, but the experience, in, uh, you know, in general was so positive that I, I sort of fell in love with the idea of pursuing film and television, which I hadn't really done much of before. 
Um, and so I packed my whole life into a mid-sized Toyota sedan and drove across the country with my mom. Um, and, uh, found an apartment. Mom flew back. I stayed there. It was terrifying and mm. awesome. You're and still 18 at this point? I, yeah, I was still 18. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I moved out, uh, February 5th. I'll always remember that day. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, the woman who, who I was set up with to manage me for just on, on a one-time basis for the test deal with the Disney pilot agreed to take me on full-time should I ever decide to move to California. So I, I had a business connection there and, you know, together with her help, we just, we just pounded the pavement, hit the ground running and that's kind of how I got my... This is your current, your current manager? My current manager, Nancy Kramer. Um... Who I, I have actually met on multiple occasions and she's is like amazing. She's the best. She's amazing. She's like your second mom. Yep, absolutely. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, I want to ask you more about that relationship because I know that that has to do with like the Minnesota connection and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious. Th- there was a moment that you um, that you spoke about when you were telling your sort of I don't know what to call it origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> The moment when you turned to your sister, or turned to your mom, when you were watching your sister, rather, in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, you're eight years old, mm-hmm. and you said, I can do that. What do you think it was? What do you think it was about what you saw that made you, I mean, I don't know if you remember, or if you can conjecture, like, what What, what do you think it was that, that inspired that moment? Well, there's something so unbelievable about the eyes of children, isn't there? Because... They, they see things, you know, so skewed, but at the same time for exactly what they are. Um, and I guess skewed is, 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 a, is, a, is a poor choice of words, but I think as, you know, as an adult brain would want to put it, unrealistically. Um, but, you know, I'm sitting there in, in a theater with, and it's a children's theater, so with basically moms and kids... And everyone is laughing their faces off at, you know, the Grinch and his dog, which was played by a man. Um, and, you know, all of the all of the Who's, whose eyelashes were like, you know, seven inches long. And <laughs> their crazy costumes and everything. And it was just like, okay, so my sister's literally up there getting paid to play pretend. She's in a whimsical costume. She gets to dance and sing. Like, as far as my child brain was concerned... And quite frankly, I have never really lost this feeling. But as far as my childhood brain was concerned, you know, it, it was. It was just. It was just a really, really organized game. Hmm. You know, it was. It was just. It was just playing pretend, but everyone was in on it. Um, hmm. And I think I saw that, and I saw that everyone in the audience, but also obviously everyone on stage you know, had a smile on their face, or you could tell that they were doing something that they loved, and, um, granted, I don't, I don't know if my eight-year-old brain got this deep, but as far as conjecture is concerned, I, I do wonder, you know, it's like, soccer, tennis, golf, baseball, yeah, science club, um, basketball, I swam, I mean, my parents had me involved in everything, but, I didn't really. Ha- I, I never really picked any of those things, and you know, there there was something about about seeing it, falling in love with it, and picking it. You know, 
that I think was really appealing to me. Like that, you know, I decided that this was something I wanted to do instead of just being told to do it. And mm. I, I, I know that that had a part of it. We have a lot of listeners that come from what we call minor markets. Um, specifically, I know there are a few listeners who have actually called in from Minnesota, mm. whether the Minneapolis area or, or, or surroundings. I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to somebody who worked so much in a minor market, albeit at a young age, to kind of ask you about that experience. Now, obviously, you were doing just theater, um, or maybe not. Maybe you you had some some film and television experience, commercials, commercial yeah, local like. Ones, did local you commercial. audition for them, or was it something like they saw you in a in a play and asked you to? No, I, I auditioned. You auditioned, and, yeah. and so you actually booked them and, and worked commercially well, as well? I, I, had, I had a talent. You know, I had a, a Minneapolis. The, the, the rules in Minneapolis are very different. You can have multiple talent aid. You know, I had, I had two different talent agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a common thing in minor markets. Like yeah. they, they're not as um, strict strict or possessive or, right, right, or whatever because exactly. it's like catch as catch can yeah. uh, almost feeling yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so yeah, so so I, I had I had two agents, and and you know, once in a blue moon, if that, you know, I'd get a call, and it, it, but it would never be for. Well, there was the one time that it was a Disney pilot, and that worked out really well. Yeah. But, but otherwise, um, you know, yeah, it was it was commercials, you know, Target ads. I, I did I did a Subway commercial, two Subway commercials actually. So let's so let's dive into the the, the sort of minor market thing because I didn't even know that you had two agents like how did you find them did they see you in shows like what was what was that story and you know was it something that you were you know interested in like did they also help you find you know your professional theater gigs and that kind of thing like what was the relationship like there you know it was weird um, as as a as a young actor um, I was very interested in acting um, but I couldn't care less about the business side of things. And I had the most amazing marketing specialist, manager, and publicist in my mother who, who you know, sort of hustled and did all of that for me. To be completely honest with you, the first agent I signed with, I have no idea. I have no idea how, how I ended up with her. Um... My, my my mom really arranged all that. The funny thing is, I think my my aunt, when she was when she was uh, when she was younger, I think she was with the same agent. It's called More Creative Talent, and they've been around forever in Minnesota. Um, and my you know my my aunt was like a model when she was twelve. So maybe my mom found them that way. I don't know. Susan Wayman, who is another agent of mine. Um, was a friend of mine from high school's mom and she was a very successful talent agent her daughter just happened to go to school with me and be in my class and Hmm. I don't exactly remember how it went but it was somewhere along the lines of she saw me in a high school play or 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 you know my friend was talking about me at home and she started making some inquiries and called me into my into her office and signed me um you know it's which is you know funny it's Minnesota you know small town feel that's that's kind of how things happen over there right you know um, and and to be to be honest like um, everything that I booked 
either theater wise either came from someone who just knew me or my sister or my family and just called me and said, you know, hey, this is so-and-so at the Guthrie or so-and-so at Chanhassen Dinner Theater or so-and-so at Children's Theater, you know, do you want to come in and audition for this? Um, Or we would find it in the 550 section in the Star Tribune newspaper, (laughs) uh, which which had all of the advertisements of theater auditions, and you would go to the, and I'm using air quotes, you know, big open call, which was, you know, the same 15 young actors in the metro area because they're huh. all the same people and it's not that much um, but even with the small numbers it also sounds like you built a reputation for yourself I mean people were like literally calling you I mean it's it's funny because it's in a in a major market be like oh every actor's dream like right. all these all these places are calling me like I don't have to you know but you know if you were good at what you did and, and easy to work with or um, I'm sure mature for your age like no one you know they were sort of calling you and I like the what you said about it being a small town feel as well mm-hmm. yeah well you know it's also it's supply and demand it's like the 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 demand is high for a child actor you know in in the shows especially that I was doing you know, I, I I played in Lost and Yonkers. It's two boys, and they're the show. Mm-hmm. You know, or um, you know, I I played in Oedipus, and Tiresias the seer has a a boy that leads her on, the only boy in the in the show. You know, and so I I, I was in shows where I would be the only kid. Yeah. Um, and so the supply for Parents in a small town who were willing for their kids to miss X amount of school to do a show. Again, I use air quotes because a lot of the times people are like, well, a show, why would you do that? You know, go yeah. be an art club, go to be in drama club. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of professional acting, especially for young people, was just kind of foreign mm-hmm. um, to most. And so, like I was saying, yeah, the, the supply, the people who are actually willing to put their kids up for those things was pretty low and the demand was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's how I how I sort of snuck in. And then to your point about, you know, I, I snuck in, I did a good job, I had terrific parents who made sure that I upheld the most um, professional aptitude as far as how I presented myself in a, in a, in a, in a business setting and... Um, I, I was very mature to my age for my age because I was in all of these shows where I was the only kid. <laughs> so the, I was, hanging out, I was hanging out with forty-five-year-olds, yeah. and you know they thought I was hilarious, and I thought they were cool. <laughs> um, and so you know, sort of by osmosis, I, I absorbed as much adult. It's funny walking around, you know, as a thirty-five going on eleven-year-old kid. Right, right. Yeah, um, I. I, I you know, I said this before, but I, I, want, I just wanted to come back to it quickly for those listeners uh, that listen to the podcast in the minor markets. I do. I really appreciate what you said about the small town feel of yeah. it, and that that can be applied to even to this industry because mm-hmm. we do. We get a lot of questions about minor markets. We get we talk about them pretty often, but one of the things that I don't I, I don't think that we've ever really gotten because we've never really worked in a minor market, either of us, is 
the small town feel and the fact that we always talk about on the podcast that it's a relationship business always that it's about you know making friends because who do you hire you hire your friends you know it's about making friends and keeping friends and and being professional and doing a good job and 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 therefore your reputation does precede you even if it is in a major market but Uh um i i love the sort of small town feel because people are constantly asking us you know how do i get my start what should i do this and that like asking about how to make headway in a minor market and you know it's almost like well the next time you go to the grocery store (laughs) ask the person standing next to you in the produce section what they do you know because you never know uh when you're going to run into an agent uh, in that market or casting director in that market or director or producer of of the local you know equity house or something like that well that's the funny thing you know Minor and major markets actually aren't that different in that sense. The difference is, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is being seen is is what's going to get you your start. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. ask, asking questions, finding the people who you need to get in the room with. The difference is in Minneapolis where it took me one audition to book my first thing. In Los Angeles it took me 154. You know, there's there's yeah. there's a lot more competition. There are a lot more people to see. You know, the the first person I ever auditioned for was Ron Peluso, who is the artistic director of the Great American History Theater. For you to get in a room with an artistic director or a big time casting director, that that takes more than walking in mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. In Minneapolis, it's not the case. You know, or, right. or I get you know Chicago, Seattle. You know, I imagine are the same. It's almost like there's uh, fewer gatekeepers exactly between you and the decision makers. Right. Whereas in a major market, there's a lot of gatekeepers. Um, that's, I mean, <clears throat> that's great. And, yeah, 154, you know, plus audition. It's actually the flip of what you were saying before of uh, supply and demand. Right. There's so much supply. Mm-hmm. So much supply. But there's also a lot of parts, I feel mm-hmm. like. There's oh, yeah. a lot more, there's obviously a lot more uh, projects going on. So, I mean, there's so much to ask about. I'm curious what enticed you when it came to film and television to make that make that move. Um, uh, I, you know, I want to hear about the, 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 the Disney journey and all of that. Like, that's a big step and people do it all the time. They, they just, they do, they move to New York, to LA, to Chicago from, you know, all over the, the country, the Midwest, uh, et cetera. But it's rare for someone to do it the way that you did, which is like to have one pilot test come out, have a, I think you had like one or two more, mm-hmm. and then book, you know. So, yeah, I guess I guess he, I'm curious about what enticed you, first of all, and then second of all, like how it actually came to pass and what what action steps you feel like you took that really made the difference. So a, a, a tiny side story. Um, when I was nine and my sister was twelve, uh, my, my my sister was a part of an organization. I have to get this right. I think it was it was called like Karen International or something, um, and it was it was a, a, a film and television modeling sort of. Um, it, it, workshop, but it was a bit more 
a bit more higher stakes than that because you know a lot of the times people would get cast from this you know cultivation program my sister was a part of it and they did this seminar in New York and someone made a comment in New York that was like you know I don't I don't think you're going to get cast here right now but you should really go out to LA for pilot season this is to you, not this your is to my, sister. No, this is to my sister. This is your, your sister, okay. Um, and my mom was with her, and obviously, Midwest, mostly theater. My mom's like, pilot season. <laughs> What's um, that? Thinking it had to pertain with planes. Airplanes, yeah. Um, so they get some information, they come back, and this is just an example of how, like, unbelievably supportive my and, and sacrificial, is that a word, my parents were. Um, came home, had a conversation. My parents did about like, you know, what if what if we took our kids to LA for pilot season? And we lived in this in this gorgeous, gorgeous house in a very affluent neighborhood in Maple Grove, Minnesota, and we had a pool and a giant yard. And they sold the house. We moved into a townhome. Um, my dad stayed home and worked. And my mom, my sister, and I flew to Los Angeles and stayed in an apartment in L.A. for five or six months to try out pilot season. But, like, that, that, was, that was the huge sacrifice that wow. they made to take us wow. out there. Like, the, these are, you know, these are my parents. The, one thing that I've said, and I think literally every interview I've ever been in, is that no one gets anywhere alone. No one gets anywhere alone. And I am, I am so aware and grateful of the fact that, like, without the parents that I had and the sacrifices they were willing to make, um, nothing on a, on a minor market or major market scale would have ever happened for me. Um, That's incredible. True. I mean, I've, I've met them both, and they're the best. They I, I, love, yeah. I love your parents. They remind me of my parents in terms of the uh, amount of support and everything. That's awesome. But that's... That's crazy. Do you mind if I ask what were the months? Yeah, was it five or six months? What was the time period? Janu- January to June. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, uh, so pilot season. Pilot season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just curious, sort of, where you landed in LA, and and I'm also like, geez, school. Like, I have so many yep. questions about what that looked like. We well, again, so, uh, support. We had we had supportive teachers who who. You know, and and a supportive school district who who worked with us and faxed us the worksheets and gave my mom the curriculum and all of that. And so my sister and I in our apartment before we did anything would wake up and be homeschooled by my mom. Um, wow. And if my mom didn't, my dad's an educator, and if my mom didn't get it, she'd call my dad, and my dad would be on the phone with us, and he would be explaining X, Y, or Z in biology or multiplication tables or X, Y, and Z is algebra. How much did they 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 fucked up somewhere along the way? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it, admittedly, I know. That, so I was in fourth grade at the time. The, the two big things that we were supposed supposed to learn were states and capitals, and bones in the body, of which I know none. I I, I couldn't tell you where Montana is or what the capital of Montana is. I could. I and I have no. I, this is a forearm. This is a shoulder. I don't know what the bones are. Like I did not learn that. My mom was a great teacher. I learned a lot that year. But those <laughs> those really missed. You know. But like oh I'm I'm going to I'm going to Nevada. It's like um that's the I think that's next to California. 
California, right? <laughs> yes, yes, and the capital of Nevada is X. It's Las and the Vegas. The capital of Montana is Y. Is Z. Z, I think. Yes. Um, but but so I digress. Um, making stupid jokes now. But but <laughs> my mom was a really good teacher. Um, so so that that's how we that's how we took care of of um, education. Uh, my sister was with an agent and a manager that she got signed with from this Karen International program, and I was with um, a woman named Iris, Iris Burton, who was Josh Hartnett's agent actually for, wow. for quite some time. She's she's since passed away, but she was she was um, she 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 was she was a she was a big one. You know, she she was sort of a maverick, old school. Um, sink your teeth in, don't mess with Iris kind of agent. Um, and her partner was Nancy Kramer. Mm. Um, and I, how I, how I actually signed with them, I don't remember, but had something to do with, with this woman, Lynn Blumenthal, who's kind of the one casting director for film and television in Minnesota. And she had seen me, you know, go in for a couple tape. Or uh, uh, taped auditions, you know, here and there, and and believed in my talent, and so my mom, I think, approached her and said, "I'm taking my daughter out to pilot season. I'd like to take my son too. Is there anyone who who we could sign him with?" And she said, "Yes, no problem." Called Nancy. Nancy said that she'd manage me and that Iris would um, represent me uh, as far as agency is concerned. Um, my sister and I both went out for a lot of stuff. Neither of us booked anything else and got really close to 13, going on 30. Um, uh, you know, and then we left. But it was a positive experience, and it was something I never forgot. Um, and so, as, as far as the how, how old were you this nine, um, nine, and wow. actually to to this day. So this is just another total side story. But we're just getting real close and personal with Ryan McCartney. That's right. Um, we we didn't we did a math project in sixth grade about <laughs> about. Our, like what our favorite number was and my favorite number has always been nine because that was the age I was in Los Angeles but the math project had to be between 10 the number had to be between 10 and 100 so I just added 10 and now my favorite number is 19 but the moral of the story is my ninth year of life would like I it was my favorite number it was like it was a lucky number for me it's something I, I, I always remembered being nine being in LA that was just and I I didn't book anything I didn't even come close I honestly think I liked it the most because like I got to swim in a pool in January hmm. but like that that was the shit in my life, you know. Um, another thing that I know about myself and always have is that I have a very short attention span and I get bored easily. Um, and so, I I would never ever say that theater is boring ever ever. But I had been doing it since I was eight. I was eighteen now, and I just wanted a change of pace. And so while. Going to New York seemed like the obvious choice to someone who was as experienced in theater as I was. Um, going to Los Angeles was the non-obvious choice, which I think enticed me even more, on top of the fact that I had such great memories from going as a kid. So, um, And then to ice that whole cake, the Nancy Kramer connection, was was just so invaluable to me. It just occurred to me that, because uh, <clears throat> I didn't know that she had met you so young, but it just occurred to me that she has kind of watched you grow up in, well, in a way. I mean, there was a, obviously a big gap. The funniest thing is, Nancy agreed to manage me, you know, for just sort of for a one-time deal for this Disney pilot, right? 
So I land in Burbank, and she came to pick me up, and I got in her car, and she said, Welcome to California. Have you ever been here before? No. I was like, Nancy, you managed me nine years ago. No. She's like, no, I didn't. I was like, I, I'm Ryan McCartan. I was one of your clients nine years ago. And so we go back to her office. She's looking through old files. She pulls out a headshot where, like, I have a mullet and I'm nine. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, I absolutely managed you. She completely, I like, I hope she listens to this. I literally never let her forget about this. But that's, she well, that's completely hilarious. forgot. That's hilarious. Me. Completely forgot about me. <laughs> so, no, she didn't watch me grow up. She had me when I was nine, completely forgot that I existed, and then got me again when Good. I was nine. Good. Good. <laughs> well, I mean, hell, it was meant to be yeah, in that case. Yeah. I mean, she, I, she, she, as far as she's concerned, my awkward stage never existed, so it's fine. Oh, great. Awesome. Um, um, but so so I, I digress. The the Nancy connection, the fact that I had a good experience in LA before, and the fact that I kind of wanted a change of pace was what what, what ultimately was the you know gigantic north magnet to my south life. That was a horrible metaphor. It, that that's what drew me out. I, I think I followed it. You, someone did. Um, that that that's what that's what that's what pulled me out there. Um, and. Yeah, you know, it was it was just it was just sort of a matter of hitting the ground running. Um, very politely but very sternly, Nancy told me that I had no idea what I was doing and that I should listen to her. Um, and while generally, I think that if you know, it's good because I had a lifelong connection with her, whether she remembered that or not. But for someone to take the reins like that is a little worrisome, um, just because a lot of people think that they think that. That, you know, they think they know some formula. They think they know how the business works, and the fact of the matter is, no one really does. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just work your tail off, and you you get rewarded for your hard work. You know, that's that's the really only equation for success. But anyway, I I did know her, and I I knew of her track record. She started Vinnie Carthizer, Amy Adams, Josh Hartnett. I mean, she's had she's had a lot of great careers pass through her office. Um, and and I did I didn't know anything I I I like I said I wasn't even interested in the business aspect when I was a kid so I didn't even know how Minneapolis theater worked not to mention Los Angeles film and television mm. um, so so it, it was sort of blind obedience for a little while and I think that I think that she really enjoyed um, watching as I slowly but surely was like wait a minute but what about this you know or but wait a minute, last time you said that we should do this, and I, I started picking up on some of the clues instead of figuring out how this thing works. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I would get cocky, and I would say, well, don't we have to do this? And she'd be like, no, no, that's not how it works. Um, but but I, I, I did. I, I, I blindly trusted her. Fo- I, I followed her into the fire, and um, she, she kept me from getting burned, that's for sure. Um, she, uh, she worked very hard for me as far as getting me in appointments that normally without an agent I wouldn't have been able to get into. I, I tested for a pilot on the CW network um, just a few months after testing for Disney. Um, and so that was something that we could use to pitch me um, to agents. And that's what, can, can you, for people who don't know what it means, can you describe what it means to test for a pilot? Yeah, so <clears throat> the, 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 te- the test is, is the, the finalist of final callbacks. It is, it, is the, it is the last thing between you and the job. 
Um, so much so that you actually aren't allowed to do the test audition without signing a contract. You have to drop the contract and have it signed because the test is literally the network saying, we would be comfortable if you were this role. It's you know between you and, let's say, two or three other people, and it's the network saying, you should sign this contract because if we pick you, you will probably start working on Monday. You know, or you will be in pre-production next week. Um, uh, so it, it is. It is. It is. It's. It's. It's a seal of approval from the network without them necessarily having to cast you. But it's. It's. Or the or the production company or whoever kind of the the high the highest of the higher ups are. And that's um, how it's possible to use it as a, a sort of calling card of a calling card of sorts. When uh, being when your manager's pitching you for something for something else, exactly because while they can't say that I booked it, they can say that I was the closest I possibly could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, there, it's nice of it's nice having a paper trail. It's nice having contracts for things, whether you whether you actually got to do the job or not. Um, you know, to to show off to agents and to to pitch, but also. You know, I I was I just tested for a show on the Sci-Fi Network, and they wanted to pay me a certain amount, and I got them to raise it because of the quote I had from a test. So even though I never actually got that amount of money, that amount of money was associated with my worth, and I was able to use it. You know, so right. so, so tests are are very very valuable. Um, obviously, not as valuable as booking the part, but like sometimes they can be just as close to that value. Hey everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of AJ's chat with uh, Teen Idol, <laughs> and I only say that because the photo that we, we picked for him came from a website called Teen Idols For You. <laughs> Teen idols for us. Oh, uh, he's gonna hate that. Yeah. <laughs> or hey, love man. it. It's funny. Must be. I, must be. Must be tough. Must be a tough life. We. Uh, yeah, I was joking with him yeah. about his uh, his resume at the top of the interview, as you all as you all heard. And uh, teen idol is not one of them. Uh, not one of the phrases that I use. So I'm actually very grateful to you, Trevor, for <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, as of this recording, I still have not heard the part one of his chat uh, of your chat with him. So I'm looking forward to going back and listening to that. But I, given that I actually haven't heard this yet, uh, any kind of debrief points you want to throw out there before we we move on? Um, n- well, one one quick thing. I mean, I, I'm going to let the interview sort of speak for itself. And uh, just know that it gets <clears throat> just deeper and more interesting. And we, we end up talking about philosophy and life and all kinds of stuff in, in parts two and three. And, and uh, you know, he's got some great, you know, book recommendations and stuff. But we'll save that for, um, I think we talk about that in, in, in part three. I just wanted to, I edited this out of the in- interview because it was kind of um, tangential, but it's a story that I don't know if I've told on the, on the podcast before. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to bring it up because it just goes to show just how insanely random this, this business is. But, uh, Ryan in the interview talks about using, um, test, uh, auditions as leverage to either get him, uh, a, a, a better, uh, agent and, or get him, 
um, better auditions because when you go in because when you go in to test for a network they actually have you sign a a, a contract because <clears throat> you're so close to booking it that basically you could um you could be he, he even says working you know uh on monday um there was this story that i heard uh from a friend of mine that um i worked with uh, at apple a long time ago and he was talking about um uh we were we were talking about pilots and 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 pilot season and 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 that whole thing and he was going out for stuff and he was kind of shaking his head and I was like dude what I was like what you know what are you shaking your your head about and he told me this insane story about um <clears throat> uh Lamorne Morris who's the the black guy from uh from New Girl and he said that he went out for New Girl auditioned for it they weren't interested they were like ah you know they passed i think maybe he he went to producers but he didn't test for it and and he was just like all right well you know moving on <coughs> and he auditioned for another pilot some uh, i think it was another comedy and they were interested in hiring him and he actually tested for that second pilot when that happened New girl came back and was like, well, hang, 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 wow. on hang on a second, hang on a second, hang on a second. How, how did they hear about it? How did New and Girl they, hear about it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that part of the story. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming either word gets around or it was the same network or the same producers or, you know, I, I don't know that an agent would think to do this, but I'm, I'm assuming when you're working at this level, maybe the agency was like, hey, you know, he's testing for this other thing. You sure you guys aren't interested? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But basically, they were like, hang on a second. And he ended up, you know, basically the ball kept getting passed back and forth. He, he auditioned for one, auditioned for the other, auditioned for one, auditioned for the other. And it came down to the two shows ended up negotiating over him. Um, wow. and, and that's how he ended up on New Girl. So they, they originally passed on him, but because he was testing for another pilot, um, they, they sort of got re-interested. How about that? So anyway, uh, just a, uh, a story that I, I edited out because it was, <clears throat> I don't know, it was just like weird um, uh, in, in context, but it is... It is definitely related to the things that Ryan and I discuss in the in the interview, and 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 definitely um, like I said, just a crazy story. Just goes to show how insane this 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 whole business is. Yeah, that's really cool to hear that that happens. I love that. Power to the actors. Power to the actors. Uh, cool, man. What's your uh, pick of the week? I know what it is. I'm looking at it right now. But uh, yes, you tell our listeners what you call pick of the week. <clears throat> My pick of the week goes back to. Man, when I was in junior high, I had, or actually elementary school, had this really amazing science teacher. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the first teachers to ever get me interested in um, in in science. And aside from my dad, who was like a Discovery Channel fiend when I was growing up, Discovery Channel rocks. And between my dad and and the science teacher, I became a very uh, interested in um, and and loved all of the the things that um, Carl Sagan taught the world and taught taught us. Um, I've never read his his books. I've always I've always wanted to, but I'm a big fan of the Contact film. 
Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> recently, as m- many of you may or may not know, they have relaunched uh, his famous show, Cosmos. And it is um, hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I'm also a big fan of. And I, I've been meaning to watch <coughs> the new Cosmos because I was such a fan of the, of the old one for a while and I started watching this show and it is unbelievably well done. The new Cosmos? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, they were just nominated for 12 Emmy Awards. I'm not sure if they've... Holy they've, shit. I'm not sure if they've won any. They were just nominated for 12 Emmys. Uh, Alan Silvestri does the the music. He composes the music. <laughs> so, and I mean, he he, he did... He's done all the music for all the Robert Zemeckis films, so he actually did the music for Contact. So there's a little linky for you there. Um, What's that word again? Linky. 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 I, I think I got that from Eddie Izzard. Um, uh, 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 Seth MacFarlane is one of the executive producers. Yes, that Seth MacFarlane. Um, Smart businessman. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, and and his his uh, one of his. One of the production companies that's on Family Guy is one of the production companies for, for Cosmos, Fuzzy Door Productions. I was making all these crazy links as I was, as I was watching this, but just the, the incredible things that they can do with um, 3D animation and, 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 and computer graphics these days really allows them to take what you know, Carl Sagan's vision was and, and just make it really believable like it's he had neil degrasse tyson has this what he calls this ship of the imagination which is this spaceship that can take him anywhere in space and time almost like uh the doctor who but he he just literally flies around the observable the observable universe looking at things and, and sort of conjecturing about what might be there and what we what we do know is there and what we don't know is there and and he he talks about science, scientific the scientific process, uh, evolution, uh, uh, the universe. It's so it's so beautiful and so well done. And at the end of the very first episode, I didn't even know this. <clears throat> he pulls out. So you've already got the spiritual link to to and the and the sort of practical link to to the original cosmos and, and Carl Sagan. And at the end of the first episode, Neil deGrasse Tyson pulls out Carl Sagan's date book, his, his calendar, and he opens it up to this day, and written in Carl Sagan's handwriting is Neil deGrasse Tyson's name. What? Because when Neil deGrasse Tyson was 17 years old, oh yeah, Carl Sagan invited him to uh, I think it was like his research center near Ithaca, or, uh-huh. or at Ithaca, and and literally spent the day with him, and they talked about science and the universe, and it's and it's basically what inspired Neil deGrasse Tyson to continue his work in 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 science, and so it just like it it just went to show like how um, what an amazing not only what an amazing thinker Carl Sagan was, but what an amazing human. Mm-hmm he was yeah. and it's just it's a it's an amazing tribute to him to 
our universe <laughs> to our uh, to us as human beings and you know we talk a lot about uh you know just feeling significant and insignificant at the same time on this podcast and and i just i would recommend everyone but especially creative people um watch this 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 show um and uh you know i think it's on netflix or hulu or something yeah i think it is on hulu it's okay if hulu plus is, is <clears throat> you could pop in and watch today yeah cool in fact i'm going to do that I saw the first episode and loved it, but I didn't follow up with the additional episodes. So yeah, I've I, I sort of been binge watched, which was amazing because it was like binge watching something that wasn't a, a necessarily a, a narrative. Yeah, yeah, a narrative show, educational binge watching. <coughs> Woohoo! <laughs> cool man. Well, my pick of the week. Uh, you just actually switched it when I heard you talking about Cosmos. I was going to pick something else. Actually, it was between two things, and now I'm going to pick uh, this show called Years of Living Dangerously, which is a, a Showtime show. It's all about um, uh, well, hot topic. I'm not really sure anymore. Uh, man caused global warming, and it's got uh, it's produced by James Cameron, and it's got a lot of celebrities, and it follows these celebrities as they go into these different communities all around the world and talk to the locals, um, literally walk around the neighborhoods and like people like Michael C. Hall, Harrison Ford, Jessica Alba, Matt Damon, uh, like huge, 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 like A-list celebrities walking around and talking to people and talking to the governments and being like, what's going on here? Why are you still destroying these forests? Why is your, why, why is this flooded? Why is this? Why is that? And, and looking at, uh, the reasons for all these things and what's happening and it too has been nominated for uh, at least one or it two won. Emmys. Oh, did it win? It won. Yeah, it was nominated for two, and it won for uh, outstanding uh, uh, nonfiction. Wow, when I got to show how in touch I am with <coughs> my pick of the week, but uh, it's uh, no. It, I just I, I as soon as you said it, I remembered reading a uh, an article cool a, about it. Um, cool. Because it's you know it's raising awareness. Yeah, it's really well done. You can watch the first episode for free on Netflix, and then after that, you can't even find them on iTunes. I think you have to have a, a cable package with Showtime. But if you have that, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, really cool show. Highly recommend. And as someone who who um, feels very strongly about our our world and what humans are doing to it um i think it's great to just be aware you know awareness is the is the first kind of step as it were so yeah years of living dangerously awesome uh yeah we don't we we don't have a listener pick for this episode specifically but i know we have some uh some stuff we're going to be bringing up on the next (coughs) episode so stick around for listener picks next week um, no big thank yous to mention this week. I mean, thank you, obviously, to everybody listening, and thank you to our uh, patrons and things like that. We do want to give a shout-out to Renee Michelle Brunet, who is our patron of the week this week. Renee, you are amazing. I know you. we've exchanged a few messages personally. I've, I've you know, checked your Facebook every once in a while, and I see you're up to some really exciting stuff, but we don't have any info for you for our website. So if you're listening to this, please send us a bio, a blurb, links to your pages, uh, your social media profiles, all that, because we want to make sure the world knows about you. And we definitely, definitely so appreciate your recurring monthly contributions to the show because you keep it going. So thank you, Renee, for your supports. And yeah, you then, better, uh, better get that to us, Renee, because I will come to your work. Yeah, <laughs> AJ's all close to you now and stuff, so um, that's kind of creepy, but 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, it, it sounded creepy enough, and I was like, I'm gonna come to your work, and yeah. then we just we just amped up the creepiness. Yes, That's what we, we do. Did. Inside Acting Podcast, amping up the creepiness. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Um, so yeah, thank you to uh, to you, Renee, and thank you uh, to everybody listening um, who's spreading the words, leaving iTunes reviews, leaving actor rated reviews, things like that. It, it goes a long way. So thank you very much if you want to do more of that follow us online you know all that fun stuff uh gosh twitter facebook activated itunes and uh donation on our website go ahead and check it out i think that about does it then for episode 150 heaven ha, yeah. see what i did there heaven I and seven they rhyme i switched it out i see what you did there yeah i do i see yep. i see what you did i originated that just just now like 10 seconds ago <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. So, huge thanks to Jen Levin, our production coordinator, Cesar Gamino, our technical producer, Gadala Guberek, our marketing and web director, and our, oh, there's a title for her now, Community uh, something or other. Oh, you promised. I know. You promised this was going to be the episode. I know, this is awful. She's a community organizer person. Oh, shit. I forget. Deborah, thank you for what you're doing with the community. Um, and it's big stuff, guys. As, as we gear up to uh, launch our new website and things like that, you'll see uh, all the, the great things that um, that uh, Godali and, and Deborah are up to. So on behalf of all of them, my name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, check your seat. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.